0: So you know that Jabari Smith was just so excited to get on the floor just so that he could call LeBron old.
2: You played against my dad, first, your first NBA game ever. Really? Sacramento. You feel old, don't you?
1: <laughs> you know what my favorite part of that is? Jabari probably had this thing circled on his calendar. Where we play the Lakers and LeBron, I'ma tell him and all that. Yeah. But of course, the internet will not allow anyone to have long-lasting joy. Because I don't know if you guys saw this, but Twitter did its own research. And they pulled up the box score from LeBron's first career game against Sacramento. Tell
0: me he didn't play.
1: Jabari Smith was a Sacramento King, but he registered a DNPCD. Mm. Wow! The caption from the tweet was, and I quote, Pops ain't telling the full story, though. <laughs> so cold-blooded, man. Like, it was a nice moment for the kid or whatever. I also did think it was surprising. When you watch the video, LeBron is clearly perplexed. And LeBron has, as we all know, this amazing memory. So how could LeBron have forgotten who was on the floor? Maybe maybe he's getting old and he's forgetting Nope. It's because my man was never on the floor. LeBron's taking acting
0: classes because he's got to learn how to flop.
1: I mean, remember? No, that's right. Yeah.
0: he's trying to get into the acting school there in Hollywood. He did seem pretty convincing that he didn't know about that stat. I just looked it up. Jabari Smith, his dad, played against LeBron. That is true. That there were a few games after that. The following year, he played against LeBron James, but... There was a really cool Reddit post about how there's nine father-son duos who have played against LeBron in their careers. Damn. So Jabari Smith is one, Gary Payton, Samaki Walker, and his son, Glenn Robinson. Tim Hardaway, apparently senior, did not play against LeBron. He was out. But there were nine players. AJ Griffin and Adrian Griffin? That's right. Yep.
1: Yeah. Jalen Brunson, Rick Brunson. Wow, Rick Brunson. That's an upset. Uh, Rick Brunson was still playing. When LeBron came along?
0: I don't know what this says or what this means. What was interesting to me is just how many seconds and thirds there were. Kenyon Martin and KJ Martin, who's actually Kenyon Martin Jr. Yeah, But it was just all their sons who are named after their fathers who played in the league. And maybe that's the the big market inefficiency. If you want to make it to the
1: league, don't just be born from an NBA player, but also take their name. Carry his name. I'm telling you, I was telling Levitard Show because they were talking about the Florida Panthers acquiring Kachuk. And I was like, man, that old bastard still got it going, huh? I'm thinking it's Keith Kachuk. And it turns out his name is Matthew. But I'm watching the playoffs this weekend, and Asante Samuel's out there like, oh, Asante's still roaming around the gridiron. So, yeah, I'm with you. I like the idea that you got to call these guys the same name as their fathers. You know, we used to have a policy when I worked in the front office in Phoenix that if you were the son of a player, like in college, and we're tracking you as a prospect, didn't matter what your name was, your name was your father's name, Junior. So Steph Curry wasn't Steph Curry. He was Del Curry, (laughs) Junior. And if your name happened to be so-and-so, Junior, like Scottie Pippen, Junior... Well then your name was Scottie Pippen Jr. Jr. No Scottie Pippen Jr. Jr. had a good game last night. So did Wes Matthews Jr. Jr., all the juniors. So this
0: guy on Reddit, shout out to user I am Garin. The list is Jabari Smith Jr. Jr., Kenny Martin Jr. Jr., Gary Trent Jr.
1: Jr. Gary Trent was in the NBA when LeBron was in the NBA? <laughs> I saw this on TikTok where it's like the release of Lion King is closer to the moon landing than it is to us right now. No. Yeah, no! and also LeBron James played against Gary Trent Sr.
2: <laughs> I mean, who is the voice of Mufasa in The Lion King? Oh, everyone knows it was Morgan Freeman. Wow, I when you asked him to describe him. I was worried. <laughs> yes, I. I mean, there are I'm some picturing him. I just some can't some think of his name. I, I think he was going to go to Samuel L. Jackson. I, I got very no, afraid. I wasn't. No, he's older. He's an old guy. I'm picturing yes, him. Yes, uh, can I give him a clue? Think, can no, you no, describe no, no, a little
1: not, more about him? him? Yes, great graying
2: at the temples.
1: Uh, Can you name something else that he's either been in or done that's of note? No. Okay. Number two. Wait, there's okay, a okay.
2: there's there's a decent shot. He still thinks it's Morgan Freeman.
0: <laughs> oh, that's it. That's what I thought no, it was. No, I'm picturing no, Morgan Freeman.
1: No, why? All, right. <laughs> All right. You know what? Yeah, I, I love the fact that Mike was a dog with a bone in it. He's he like, was I'm not gonna of.
0: It's exactly what you were afraid of. You want to hear more names here, mean? We got Gary Payton the second. Yeah. Jalen Brunson. Uh-huh. Glenn Robinson the third. Samaki Walker and Jabari Walker. Uh-huh. And Glenn Rice Jr. are the nine father son combos to play. So Glenn Rice is another name. Oh, I
1: forgot about Glenn Rice.
0: Really? Glenn Rice was still playing with LeBron? Now, LeBron, he's been around the block a few times, right? This isn't his first rodeo. LeBron, old sage who dropped 48 points on Monday night. What he did over the weekend was fantastic. He insinuated or seemed to ask questions. They're just asking questions, LeBron is, Mm -hmm. about the referees. Here's his tweet, and I quote, and all year they keep telling me to my face on the court, quote, I didn't see it, or... It wasn't a foul. It's not making sense to me. Seriously. Frustrating as hell, man. Anyways, keep going, squad. A purple heart emoji, a gold heart emoji, and a king's crown emoji. He is responding to a Lakers fan who said, essentially, that the referees are making up the rules and should have called a foul on Joel Embiid in that last second drive by Russell Westbrook at the end of the game. And Joel Embiid very clearly seems to be grabbing onto Russell Westbrook's right hand as he's driving to the hoop. They zoom in on the grab, and the referees don't call it. And here's the part that LeBron James is replying to. The fact that in the last two-minute report from the league, they reviewed the play, the non-call on Embiid, and they said it's a correct non-call and LeBron James ain't having it.
2: It's a conspiracy
0: not having it and what happens the next game he gets 12 free throws gets 48 points nice. I'm just saying LeBron has been around the block a few times. He knows how to do this how to leverage social media to raise awareness about a plague against the wait did I just guys is LeBron James insinuating that the league doesn't want the
1: Lakers to be good. Yes, that's exactly what he's saying. Walk me through that. I mean, the league has decided that the team that many consider to be a marquee franchise in sports in America that plays in one of the biggest media markets in the world, that features a player that some consider to be the greatest player of all time, was playing at an unprecedented elite level at his age, who was also about to break perhaps one of the most unbreakable records in sports. Boring! Get these guys up out of here, man! Ah, I love it. We've already shown this program.
0: People like to think that every episode is its own living organism, that it's its own spin of the wheel on the roulette table. No, this is not just independent episodes. We are layering things on top of each other. And one thing we do know from researching on this program, on this show, is that the Lakers get disproportionately better referee crews than their peers. We've proven the fact That more playoff experienced referees, referee Laker games. So the idea that the league has it out for the Lakers and LeBron James, and they don't get the calls, it doesn't jive with the rest of the data that we know about the Lakers. One, they get more national TV games than anybody else. Mm -hmm. They get better referees than just about everybody
2: else, them and the Warriors. The idea
0: that the games are rigged against LeBron James and the Lakers, man, it flies in the face of the other corresponding data.
2: You know what else flew in front of my face, Tom? Joel Embiid holding Russell Westbrook's wrist in that slowed down video. That's indisputable.
1: You can cut any video and make anything you want out of it. It's not up to me to be able to judge that.
2: Obviously there's a conspiracy. I'm with LeBron. It's a conspiracy.
0: That one is interesting because Russell Westbrook is so fast. He's too fast. Too furious. When he's going at the hoop, yes, I think Joel Embiid grabs him for like a second. And Russ is trying to gather, but can't get the other hand on the ball. And he tries to throw it up. I think his biggest mistake, Russell Westbrook, was he should have gotten the ball up right then. When the grab happens, just flail and you'll get the call every
2: time. Yeah, blame Russ. That's easy to do. They already do it in LA. It's
0: just a little quibble. I could see LeBron James on the side watching this play unfurl, and it's just like, oh my God, here we go. Here we go. And Russ is sitting there under the basket. And then he yells at the refs for like a little bit. And then afterwards, did I hear that he was showing a screen grab to reporters at the press conference
1: of the grab? I watched that post game media availability. Dare I say it, LeBron James was pretty upset. And it didn't seem like he was upset about officiating.
0: <laughs> Whoa. Oh, I love this. Are you saying he's covering himself up with the tweet? he's covering his trail yeah oh i'm upset about the referees come on it's very frustrating
1: damn referees oh my assignment
0: uncover why the association inspires more conspiracy theories in volume and salience than any other u.s sport so you've heard of the
2: illuminati
0: the truth is out there but so are lies
2: your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. The NBA has always been controlled by about eight people. Denial is the most predictable of all human
1: responses. If you're only using 10% of your brain, you don't even know
2: that you're using 10% of your brain. The NBA Illuminati. <laughs>
1: coincidences are just coincidences. Why do they feel so contrived? The Illuminati. But you start to follow the money, and you don't know where the fuck it's gonna take you. It is unspoken. They have influence among other players. The NBA. Open
0: oh
2: I don't have time for your convenient ignorance.
0: Maybe I'm a conspiracist now as well. That's but all it took. Oh, we got books. We got schools. You saw a video on YouTube. <laughs> Why
1: am I, sir? You've never used them before. We are the basketball We the
2: basketball Illuminati.
0: This is Basketball Illuminati. I am Tom Haberstroh, and as always, I'm being joined by the five-star generals Amin El Hassan and producer Anthony Mays, co-presidents, the Illumination. Everybody out there listening, the citizenry, I want to remind you: we have a tip line, Basketball Illuminati at gmail.com. If you see something, say something. We are doing our best to shine a light on all of the truths that are being buried across the league. But we need help from our citizenry. If you see something, say something. Email us at basketballilluminati at gmail. Hit us up on Twitter at bballilluminati and on Instagram at basketballilluminati. I think that just about covers it, right, I mean, Maze? In terms
2: of the ways you can reach us. Smoke signals, carrier pigeons, or just write something in invisible ink and use your third eye. Transmit the message. Morse code. But... We would prefer an email.
0: So we're going to talk about something that happened on C.J. McCollum's podcast. We need to do a little bit of deciphering, decrypting, some breaking of codes.
2: Yes. Because C.J. didn't want to break the code of tampering. We'll break all codes. We'll take care of that for him. But first. You are listening to The Agenda with Tom Haverstrow and Amin el Hassan. It's
0: funny how this happens. Immediately after our symbol for our episode depicts a hawk with a third eye, Mm -hmm. and we break the news on this program that the NBA is soon to be switching over their grid from second spectrum to Hawkeye innovations. VAR is coming from the tennis courts to the soccer fields, from the AAA baseball fields, To the hardwood. The NBA is going to start doing VAR through Hawkeye innovations. And you hear that? Do you hear it? (laughs) Hark.
2: What goes there? The Hawks. (gasps) Hawks are on a three-game win streak. Nothing to see here. Oh, good for them. Yeah. Three wins, third eye. Makes sense.
1: Sounds like everything's all good in Atlanta then, right?
0: Oh, not exactly. Not exactly. Our friend of the program, Sam Amick reporting. At The Athletic on Friday inside the end of the Travis Schlenk era in Atlanta, the Hawks new power structure and how it's impacting the team. A very excellent report where he had on the record conversations with Trey Young and with John Collins, who's being mired through the trade rumor mills once again, year after year, month after month, rumor mill after rumor mill. How many mills are there? in the league. Anyway, all the mills doing some behind the scenes reporting and another report from the Atlantic journal and constitution this week with more details of the palace intrigue, the behind the scenes political war that is going on at the top of the Hawks and is impacting the court. But I mean, they're on a three game win streak. Nothing to see here. Trey Young's great.
1: It's funny because whenever I hear about organizations featuring this level of dysfunction, I can't help but smile. I'm sorry, guys. I I get wistful about this, about Mm. complete ineptitudes. Like, oh, for example, I don't know, having a front office of people who have never really done this before. It's incredible. And look, this is not meant to be a criticism of any of the individuals, some of whom I know. But at some point, you gotta have people there who've been there, done that. It's not riding a bike. So when you got a bunch of people who have limited front office experience, spearheaded by, if reporting is to be believed. A Shadow Puppet Regime. Oh, I
2: love a Shadow Puppet Regime.
0: Oh, man. I think we just figured out the title of this episode.
1: Shadow Puppets. Mm-hmm.
2: How's Angel going to draw a Shadow Puppet? I can't wait to find out. The hawk is flapping its wings, but then it has a silhouette. It's just hands. Oh.
1: I love how
0: we always have on a secure line, we send messages to our artist, Angel, and then he just blows our minds every week with art. So thank you in advance, Angel. What you're describing in this Shadow Puppet regime it's the son of the owner
1: Yes Nick wrestler who's the son of owner Tony wrestler Tony wrestler junior <laughs> junior junior Yeah <laughs> junior junior that's what Nick Wrestler should be called, actually, Tony Wrestler Jr. at this point, because you haven't earned the right yeah. for us to know your name. That was literally the reasoning, by the way. You haven't earned the right for us to know your name. So I remember the day Steph Curry changed from Del Curry Jr. until Steph Curry. Oh, you do? Which, ironically, he is actually Wardell Curry II. Yeah. But Tony Wrestler Jr., you're out here having undue influences. What I mean by undue influences is anytime you are coming in on bold nepotism, as I like to call it. It ain't hard to connect the dots why you're here. You have to approach it with a level of patience, isn't the word, but you got to take it a little slow. Like I think of Kirk Lakeup. It was very important for Kirk Lakeup, And to this day, if you talk to him about it, he'll tell you, yeah, I'm here because my dad owns the team. But that did not lead to a skipping of steps, particularly with regard to exerting influence on decision making. I know that because. Kirk is now the second in command to Bob Myers, who's still there. And has a podcast. And has a podcast, which called Exit. Let's not forget about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's called a tease. Travis Schlink is now
2: in an advisory role. Hold on, I mean, make sure you slap those air quotes on advisory
1: there. Yes. Thanks, John Collins, for that. So the AJC has informed us that this is a title alone and that he has no actual input in the goings on. The reason why he decided to step down, or at least in part, was because of this introduction of voices in a room that probably should not have been as loud as they were. Not to say the voices should not have existed, because I, too, like Landry Fields says in the piece, that it welcomed a diversity of voices in that room. One of the instances in the article is pointed to as an example of this influence is the signing of... Aaron Holiday, the younger brother of Drew and Justin Holiday, who started his career in Indiana, got traded to Washington, got traded to Phoenix, and last offseason signed with Atlanta on a minimum deal. Aaron Holiday, he of career averages of seven points and two assists a game. Tom, you were the one who actually told this to me that in an interview last offseason. Aaron Holiday mentions having some ties with some guys he played with in high school. There's a story here from the Los Angeles Daily News.
0: I mean, Khalil Simplis picks up slack to help Campbell Hall prevail against Providence in overtime. Campbell Hall's Aaron Holiday and Providence's Marcus Lovett Jr., the area's two elite sophomores put on quite a show.
1: Yada, yada, yada. As you're yada, yada this, remember, this is a story of Aaron Holiday when he was in high school. And we know that Aaron Holiday mentioned having... Some high school ties to some folks with the Hawks. And Campbell Hall, by the way, is a school that both Justin and Drew went to. So I said, maybe there was someone else on those teams. Kind of the same way that Chino Hills gave us the Ball Brothers, but also gave us Onyeka Kangu. Right, right, right. All right, Tom, continue. Maybe we'll hear some familiar names. The game turned
0: into the third when Holiday scored nine points. Ryan Silverstein made a three-pointer, and Nick Ressler... Buried two three pointers to give the Vikings a 67 to 49
1: lead. Tony Russell Jr. Wait, Ryan Silverstein. Where is that name? Where is that Here's name? Here's where it gets interesting. Do you mean cap strategist and director of basketball administration? Ryan Silverstein? Wait a minute. Now it's all making sense.
0: Yes. Sam's story, he says, Ryan Silverstein, the team's coordinator of cap strategy and administration, and a close friend of Nick Wrestlers, who according to his LinkedIn page, became a front office assistant for the Hawks in September
1: 2017. You're starting to see the makings of this, which is brutal. Again, I am not knocking the individual accolades of anybody involved. We all have to start somewhere. But when you hire your kid and then allow your kid to hire his buddy, and then they in turn end up signing their other buddy, dare I say it, your process might be a little tainted. Just a little bit. By the way, this is no different than we did an episode about the Charlotte Hornets and nepotism, right?
2: Michael Jordan circle of trust the episode title i think was 23 and me
1: oh was it 23 and me for real 23 and us that'd be great that would have been a great name damn i think that was a joke
2: that we made at the very least <laughs> All right. the jordan rules was the name of the episode jordan rules uh, The
1: jordan rules right so again you go to the hornets organization and you see oh he's here because of xyz and when you start doing this over and over again you begin to realize That the modus operandi is not Get me the best and brightest It's get me people I know and let's all have a groupthink circle jerk. Well, okay. We
2: can't give Angel that title to draw. No, <laughs>
1: groupthink circle jerk? I'm not on board with
2: that. We're going to stick with shadow puppet regime. So, me to that point, you say groupthink
0: circle jerk. No, don't. Should I just not say that? Okay. GTCJ. Another word for it might be comfortability. Because here I'm reading in the AJC, an interview with Aaron Holiday over the summer, the reporter, Lauren Williams, asks Aaron Holiday, When you were picking a new destination of where you wanted to play, what were your priorities? What were you looking for in coming to Atlanta? And Aaron Holiday says, my main priority was just somewhere I can go and be comfortable being myself. And obviously with Coach Nate being here, as someone I played for my first two years, so that comfortability was there. And I played with a few guys in high school who were also around here. So that was really my main thing, just being comfortable. She says, when you say that you played with a few guys in high school, are you talking about guys on the Hawks roster? He says no. Nick Ressler and Ryan Silverstein.
2: It's pretty sweet, man. You're an NBA player and your high school teammates who probably worshipped you because you were way better than them in high school are now front office executives. Oh no, in that story,
0: they hit a couple threes in that game.
2: Yeah, didn't you hear? No way. Tony Ressler Jr. was a shooter. <laughs> Hand down, man
1: down.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. I guess the moral of the story here is when you fire, because in Sam Amick's story and Shams Charania's story in December last month, they had fired three pretty important members of their front office in the middle of the season and Travis Schlenk
1: steps down. This is unusual in the NBA. Tom, it's not unusual. It's usual. You know what it's called? Regime change. Except the Hawks, for some reason, didn't have the balls to be out and about about it. You step on eggshells and you kind of, oh, we're going to do this and oh, we'll have this guy over here. But the reality is they executed regime change in the middle of their season. They just didn't want to make waves about it. So Travis Schlank is out. And anytime you see this in the league, when they're being
0: moved to a senior advisory role, I remember Doug Collins, when Sam Hankey came in, he was moved to a senior advisory role. Anytime you see that, just know that there's some contract language in there that mm-hmm. they have to keep him on the books but he's being relegated. They're done. So Travis Lank, he also came from the Warriors organization, the brain trust that built the Steph Curry rise and that huge Warriors out of nowhere ascension to multiple championships. He was part of that brain trust and then went to Atlanta to create kind of like a warriors East with Trey young building around Trey young Mm -hmm. hired a bunch of personnel from the warriors, including their performance staff and the head athletic trainer Yes, and was essentially like, Hey, this is a really good model. We've got Trey young. Who's as close to Steph Curry in terms of pure shooting ability off the dribble undersized, great passer let's build around this guy and that era is over so shout out to sam for reporting this out it's just very odd to have this happen and the bulk of the material in the reporting was nate mcmillan and trey young having disagreements and having some turmoil there was a benching or maybe he was stepping away and then maybe all this was just marinating in the background. It was just going to be quiet. Trey Young was just missing a game, injured,
1: right? The two things that I learned the most out of these stories, one was that Nate McMillan tried to quit. I wanted Joe Prunty so bad to be another head coach. It'd be so great. Whenever someone tries to quit and fails, it's always funny to me because it means one of two things. Either you didn't really want to quit, I'm leaving and I'm never coming back to kind of get people to listen, or... You're very easily swayed. I'm leaving. No, you shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't, right? <laughs> but the other funny thing was, in Sam Amick's article, he talks to Trey Young, and Trey Young says company line talk. He talks to DeJounte Murray, and DeJounte Murray also similarly has some company line talk. And then he talks to John Collins, <laughs> and John Collins like, boy, man, yes. shit is really hitting the fan here. <laughs> You're telling me, man. Wait, why would John Collins be a little... More loose-lipped. Because John Collins' official mailing address is... Trading block Oh. <laughs> one, two, three trading Block street. That's a crowded street, man. Oh my God. And he's the longest tenured resident. Him and miles Turner. Yeah.
2: He's the head of the HOA on the trade block. That's a lot of month to month. Leases getting extended on trading block street.
0: <laughs> I've seen so many reports of Utah being interested in John Collins. And I'm just sitting here being like, can we just get this over with? Can we just make it happen? This is like three years running.
1: John Collins and miles Turner should be traded for one another.
0: That'd be great. They would do one of those housing swaps that Myers Leonard and Hassan Whiteside did where they're just like, you know what? We're changing teams. Just live in my house. We'll be good.
2: Does John Collins inherit Miles Turner's life-size Darth Vader Lego? That's my question. yeah. See, I think that's a hang-up in the trade. Or do you transport that? I don't know.
1: They gotta negotiate that out. Does Miles Turner inherit John Collins' bomber jacket? (laughs) So
0: one thing we don't get, I mean, is when teams find players internally, we don't hear about it. It's not a league fine. A lot of times you see in the news. The league finds so-and-so. Dwayne Dedman gets in an altercation on the bench and the Heat come out and say, we are suspending this
1: player. We
0: are making it known, establishing some discipline here, handing out a discipline because that does not fly here.
1: Hey, Joe Dumars, there's no standard you can hold us to that we don't hold ourselves to already. Mm -hmm. That's what that is, right? But again... Dwayne Deadman did something that was very obvious to the naked eye. On TV, we saw a Theragun go flying across the floor. Other finds sometimes are very quiet, not publicized at all. In fact, you may not know about it unless some intrepid reporter does some investigation, does some journalism, and releases it. And we learned of one such find that happened Atlanta, and it happened all the way back in the first round of the playoffs last year. Heat versus Hawks. Hawks are flying home after Game 2 to play Game 3, and Trey Young, without first clearing it with the team, decides to charter his own flight from Miami to Atlanta. Hmm. Now, I'm here in Miami right now, and I've been assured by many of the local Miamians that a flight from Miami to Atlanta, if it's not an hour. It's not that much longer than that. So the question I asked Tom and Mays is what could have possibly necessitated Trey Young to fly separately from the team in the middle of the playoffs, despite it being a fairly short flight?
0: Hmm. I'm
1: asking questions. I think he's just being very sensitive and safe in terms of he
0: might have contracted the South Beach flu. And he didn't want anybody else to get sick. So maybe he wanted his own
1: private jet. That is actually a great answer. I didn't even think. You know, hey, maybe, maybe he wanted also a safe space to complain about things that weren't going right for the team.
2: Yeah. Well, let's see. What happened in that game, too? The Heat won 115 to 105 to go up 2 0 in the series. Trey Young. Yeah, he had 25 points. What's wrong? Seven assists. Oh, 10 turnovers. Okay, that's not great. Oh. I can see a little frustration, perhaps. Oh, uh, game one, though, he did shoot one for 12, eight points, six turnovers. So, not the best two game swing for Trey Young.
0: Do you think they hung back and waited for him? Do you think they knew before that he was just not going to go on the team plane? Because you don't leave with your star player not on the plane.
2: This sounds to me like he left first. That's my reckless speculation here. I don't know. It's Miami. This ain't Cleveland. But that goes against your theory, Tom. I'm
0: just saying they had a game on the 19th and then game three was April 22nd. So they had two days off between the games. Wouldn't be the first time.
2: So you're imagining that they're on the tarmac. Everybody's on the plane and Trey Young is nowhere to be found and they're waiting for him and they're calling him up. Yo, straight to voicemail, where you at, Trey?
0: That might be the case, or he just turned off his phone and was MIA, no pun intended, after the game. I don't know but we will find out probably next week because last week we talked about Hawkeye this week. We talk about the Hawks and then sure enough, we'll probably find something that happens ahead of the trade deadline. Maybe there's some retribution in the media for all these reports out there. Maybe the Hawks after a three game winning streak will either trade somebody or shake things up. And finally, maybe John Collins will switch residences
2: on trade block street.
0: We just don't know, but it's very odd to have this all happen a month before the trade deadline
2: tom you know what a shadow puppet regime can't survive what's that maze a bright shining light
1: now it's time for any secret message for you members of the secret circle remember kids only members of any secret circle can decode any secret message.
0: You can break the code. Maybe I take a shot at it, maybe I break it. I'm real happy with myself because I did my job well. There's only one hacker in the world who can break this code. Super Scream theory, chaos math advanced algorithms code breaking
2: strange the code is somehow different it's like solving a rubik's cube that's fighting back whoop de doo what does it all mean basil when people talk to each other they never say what they mean they say something else and you're expected to just know what they mean
1: break the code you are it's simply the best natural code breaker i've ever seen
0: Oh, so really cool. Our friend Izzy Gutierrez breaking some news about the Raptors. He's reporting that some Raptors players are unhappy. I saw the clip, the video. Because they're unhappy. Wait, it wasn't Izzy reporting it? What?
2: Yeah, I was a little confused there, Tom. Where you're going with that? I mean, Izzy's in the clip. But he's not talking. Who's reporting it? It's none other than president of the Players Association, CJ McCollum. Oh. Our rival podcaster.
1: I think in terms of what they need or what they're lacking, something's gonna happen. I don't know what. There's rumblings about certain players on the team not being happy and due to tampering. I can't speak to that. But right. I think they're gonna they're gonna move someone. At some point, I don't know what type of picks they have lined up, but something needs to change because they're way too talented um, to be struggling the way they've been struggling throughout the season. They got too many good pieces. They got too many guys who are not only impactful and quality NBA players on that team, but that would be impactful and quality players on other teams and probably have larger roles depending on who they decided to move.
0: All right. I mean... You've been around NBA players in locker rooms. Yep. What's going on here? We need to break this down. We need to decipher, decrypt what CJ is doing here. We
1: don't do this segment every week. So whenever we do, I like to explain to everybody what that means. A code breaking works on two levels because on part of it is that these NBA players speak in cryptic language, right? They're giving us the outline, but they're not telling us oftentimes what's actually happening. But the other part of code breaking, the reason why they won't tell you is because they don't want to break the omerta that is the brotherhood of players. You broke the code. Dylan Brooks broke the code. And that's where we come in for a second dose of code breaking. We're going to break the code and translate it for you, but we're also going to break the code and break the silence and tell you what shouldn't be told.
2: So CJ McCollum knows something. He knows of some unrest and how would he know this? What connections does CJ McCollum have to the Toronto Raptors? He's never played there. No, he hasn't. He's not associated with that team. No, he isn't. But are there any connections to players or people in the front office that might explain this inside information?
1: I feel like... Oh, I love this game. This is where we play a little bit of CSI, a little basketball forensics. And we say, CJ McCollum, you look at that team and say, has anyone perhaps played for the Pelicans? that now play for the Raptors? And a quick cursory look at the Raptors roster would say, no, they don't have any former Pelicans. Swinging a miss. So then you say to yourself, you say, Self, CJ hasn't played strictly in New Orleans his entire career. Matter of fact, he only just got there last year at the trade deadline. Is there anywhere else? And that's when you say, Blazers. And you find that, yes, there is a player who's played alongside C.J. McCollum. His name is Gary Trent Jr. And as luck would have it. Junior, Jr.? No, he's Gary Trent Jr. He's only junior, Jr. Up until the point where he creates his own name. Once you ball out, you create your own name, you get your own name. In this case, his name happened to be Gary Trent Jr. So the Lord giveth and the Lord receiveth. But Gary Trent Jr., folks, has a player option for next year, meaning he can opt out. So this, in essence, as he's having a career year, 18 points a game shooting 36% from three providing awesome defense for a team that let's be honest, looks like it's one foot in the Wembenyama sweepstakes and one foot in the play-in. Gary Trent has both the motive and the opportunity to divest himself of Toronto Raptordom. Mm. But here's where it gets complicated because one might say, well, wait a second, CJ McCollum, Has another job beyond being NBA player, aspiring media voice. How many jobs does this guy have? Yeah. You might have more, but I know one more job, at least, that is president of the Players Association. Ooh. Okay. All
2: right. President of the association. You got to listen to your constituents. So that
1: opens it up to anybody, right? I mean, yeah, theoretically, but you know, who would open it up to even more out of all the people that you know, who's that? It's the player rep. That's the guy that you would probably speak to more often than everyone else. In which case, you'd have to point out that the player rep for the Toronto Raptors is none other than one Frederick Ben Vliet. But he doesn't have a player. Wait a minute, he does. He's got himself a player option, folks. You now have two very likely candidates Mm. based on familiarity and communication that might be your suspected leaks
2: now i mean you said that there's no ties to the pelicans on the raptors roster
1: not from last year no am i wrong
2: but i put it to you put it to me that one Bo cruz juancho hernan gomez on the raptors has a brother, Oh. Willie Hernan Gomez, <laughs> down in New Orleans. Now that is a direct connection, folks. Brother
1: to brother. Brother to brother. It's a family operation. You guys want me to kick this up a notch for you? Oh. Kick it up. <laughs> Spice it up, I mean. I'm going to be honest. The listeners are going to hate this. You're going to break their code? While I've just broken some codes, I'm going to enforce another code. Maze bossing over this. <laughs>
0: So there is more smoke here than we were led to
1: believe. There's a lot going on in Toronto, folks. There's a lot going on in Toronto.
0: You know, I think I appreciate CJ McCollum. He's getting into the media space. A man of many talents. He's got his own wine label, his vineyard. That's another job. Damn! What the hell? That's four. Wait a minute. Who's his business? No, I'm just kidding. Who's his business partner with his Masai Ujiri? OG
2: Ananobi. (laughs) Fellow wino.
0: The Ananobi Reserve. It makes sense now. The source of the leak. There's a little wine leaking from the glass. There's a crack in the foundation. Shouts to CJ McCollum. He is learning the tricks of the trade, how to report things on the sly. A little subtle nod. I can't say this because of tampering, but I'm just going to
2: wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Mm-hmm. Hearing some things. One note for CJ, a little more theatrics. Yeah. We need a little more windy finger pointing. thing. A little more cryptic teasing. Change that tone. He's just walking the line right now. I want you to dance across that line.
1: Yeah, give me some tone shift here, up and down, CJ. ah. Maybe you need another job. Take some acting classes. You never know. How many more jobs can he have? Not two, not three,
2: not four, not five, not six, not seven. to get into this bob myers podcast i know you're thrilled i know you rated subscribed resubscribed downloaded you're
1: all in on this hey millionaires stop coming up with podcasts i need this shit man this shit pays my bills (laughs) what could he possibly pot about
0: books that he's read from omaha productions i mean Warriors general manager, Bob Myers has spent his life in the basketball world from a national title at UCLA to his success as an NBA agent to building a dynasty as a premier executive for the four time champion. Warriors. Myers has learned to be a leader at the highest level in lead by example with Bob Myers. Myers sits down with leaders from every walk of life, sports, entrepreneurship, politics, and entertainment to share their experiences and the lessons learned along
1: the way buddy the trade deadline's a month away <laughs> the draft ain't too much fun. like you got shit to do man there's no way you got time every week to sit down and talk to some leader from something else i mean i get it you're trying to capitalize and monetize the incredible success you've had and i hey, i'm all for it but man i just didn't need another podcast out here bob i just didn't need another one man I don't know. Make a wine or something. <laughs> yeah.
0: Go make a wine, asshole.
2: Grow <laughs> some grapes, Bob. draymond has got a pot. I think Steve Kerr's got a pot. Iguodala,
1: which we love, by the way. Of course. No, Iguodala's fine. That one can stay. What's he doing, man? He's going to practice. He's getting treatment. He's got time on his hands. By all means. Draymond Green. Uh, maybe you should be watching a little bit more film. And say, I mean, He's got time on his hands. No, you said millionaires. You said millionaires. Yeah, but not millionaires who should be busy. I mean, like, come on.
2: Dare I even bring up Austin Rivers' new podcast? I'm sure you're thrilled about
1: that as well. Oh, my God. Oh, where he complains about <laughs> players not knowing how to play. I was like, wait, wait what? Hold <laughs> on, I'm going to watch Blake Griffin's impression of Austin Rivers one more time. You guys, we're losing the little things. I'm like, We? <laughs>